This is Agents Influence Podcast. Thinking about your processes and how so much of what we do is around process. Sales, developing new business is no different. We put a lot of process and rigor into things like underwriting policies, um, filing claims, taking a client through a claims process, being successful in sales, applying process and discipline to that piece of your business, that profession, is going to help you be more successful. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Hello, 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 loyal listeners. Welcome to another podcast of Agents Influence, Conversations with Jason Cass. And if you don't know, now you know, that's me. So here I am back with another one. You know, I was just doing some counting, actually. I was on Libsyn, which is the place that hosts our podcast. And it's kind of hard to tell exactly. It says we've done like 420 some podcasts, but I have to say that some of those have been replayed, probably around 20 or 30 of them. Some of the great ones I've replayed a couple times, but it just blows my mind to know that, I mean, going back to 2013, if I can think about, and loyal listeners, you were with me, right? There was like a hundred of us, you know, now there's thousands of us, but it's like to say in 2019, that would be over 400 podcasts. Like, just blows my mind. But thank you because we couldn't do it without you. We really, truly couldn't. And we couldn't do it also, Agents Influence Conversation with Jason Cass, without people like Miss Amy Franco. And she is coming on today. I know you probably looked her up a little bit, clicked on it, went and checked her out on LinkedIn. As you know, we are continuing on this month of July and August, which is just kind of all about sales, right? And ironically enough, as I'm always straight with you, loyal listeners, I don't know Amy. Amy doesn't know me. It just happened to be how the world works is I have always said to myself, and you know this as a loyal listener, we don't do a lot of sales here, right? We don't do a lot of kind of sales. We do marketing, we do process, we do automation, technology. We never really do a lot of sales. And so that is so ironic that I get a call from the marketing director, not a call, an email, from the marketing director of Amy Franco, and she starts telling me about who she is, and I'm thinking, I'm looking up at the sky going, thank you, Lord. This is what I need is people who are rocketing in sales. And not to mention, it falls in line with the great Commercial Lines producer training that we have rolling out. So would you please stand to your feet? Welcome to the stage. Put your hands together. Please don't throw money. Amy asked me specifically not to do that. And welcome to the stage, Amy Franco. How are you, Amy? I'm great, Jason. Thank you so much for having me here. How are you doing? You know, rocking it, killing it. I'm right. um, looking forward to this to this meeting. And before we get on to about you, there's three questions that I got to ask you. All right. Every loyal listener out there is ready. They've listened to it over 400 times. And here it is. Question number one, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? Droid. Droid. That's my girl, Amy. That's my girl. <laughs> so all the loyal listeners know right now that I really like you over everybody else because probably less than like 10% of my... People have been droid users. No joke. No joke. Really crazy. So just shows how awesome you are, Amy. We got well, that hey, right off the bat. That's why, that's why the, the the networking universe put us together for today's conversation. Da, 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 da. 
All right. Second, the second question that we have for you is, do you love to win or hate to lose? I love to win. You love to win. She came right out of the gate. Do you hear that, loyal listeners? Why are you so sure about that? Give me that. Give me a background on that. Because I like to focus on the positive, and I always go into a situation uh, assuming I'm going to win. That's right. And if you happen to lose, you just learn something, right? Absolutely. That's right. That's right. And that third question, where you are right now in your life, the life we're getting ready to discuss, the life that you're getting ready to change for others, how have you gotten where you are? Do you believe it's luck? Or do you believe it's skill? Can I say both? Um, you can, but which say, one would be more than the other? Which one would, would be more say, than the other? I would say skill because skill we can control. And when we uh, focus on our skills and we focus on opportunity, that uh, somehow magically luck just happens. You're right about that. I mean, we can only co- focus on the things we can control. And you're yeah. right. You're knowing your skills and, and honing them in. Good, good point there. I like that. So, Amy. You laughed earlier when I said it, but it's the what I say. Take us back to college, high school, go back as far as you want, maybe even diapers, but bring us forward to tell us who you are today. Yeah. So, um, so to give you a little bit about my background professionally and how I even, uh, how, how I got to doing some of the work that I do uh, in the insurance space, my professional background is the first uh, 10 years of my career, I was in uh, technology and sales. I worked for, yeah, I worked for IBM and I worked for Lenovo and I had what you'd call a, uh, I was, I was a bag carrying sales rep. I had a quota. I sold PC, laptop, uh, mobile computing hardware. And uh, so that's really where I got my start for the first 10 years of my career. I don't have an insurance background actually whatsoever. And then for, I'd say the second part of my career is when I took the leap into entrepreneurship. So if anybody is out there listening and that is where you're at, I know how you feel. (laughs) I I, I took the leap into entrepreneurship, 180 degree pivot and uh, got my start in uh, learning and development, which I still do today, but that has morphed and grown over the years. And what it looks like today is I work in, in three major industries. I work in professional services, insurance, and technology. Wow. And I do sales consulting, uh, sales training, and then also keynote speaking. Wow, fantastic. And and you could check out that link, uh, the loyal listeners that I put in there, it's her profile link. Um, off LinkedIn. And you do have quite an impressive resume. And we'll jump right to it. I, I am an Amazon bestselling author back in 2015. Customer service is awesome. just foreplay. So it, it makes me excited when I see someone like yourself who decides writing a book. Tell me if I'm wrong about this, Amy, and let's focus on your book for a little bit. Would you not yeah. say that writing a book in a way is very easy because it's all in your mind, right? But that's like 2%. But the other 98%, writing a book is hard. It's really, oh, yeah. really, really hard. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. And uh, I, I, we, Michelle and I, my marketing director, kind of joke that uh, writing the book is step one. And steps two to infinity are marketing it and getting it out into the world mm-hmm. and sharing your message with people. Mm-hmm. But yes, absolutely. There, there are parts of it that are really easy. The parts you talk about the skill piece earlier, the parts that speak to my skills of writing and my enjoyment of writing and research, that part was easy. I would say the hardest part for me was having to say no to other opportunities that were coming my way because I needed to stay focused on 
pushing that book over the finish line. And uh, I'm a pretty social person and writing a book is a solitary thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wasn't quite ready for how solitary it was. Um, so when I go to write the next one, I'm going to have to build in some strategies to to balance out the solitary piece of writing with my need to be out in the world and with people. Yeah, no, it's tough. It's tough. And then and then the little things, you know, that you don't think about, Amy, like the fact that whenever you're having to proof it and, and you literally read the book 150 times. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, after about a hundred times, you're like, okay, I am so sick of this book right now. I mean, I can spit. It's so funny. And it's your baby, right? It's what you've been working on. You're now at the end, you're editing it. And it's like, ah, I'll tell you one thing I did, Amy. And I did this not realizing that it was a great thing in my opinion. So I just took a Google doc on my Droid phone because we're cool like that. And I took a Google <laughs> Doc and I and I opened it up and I just put my cursor in it and I hit the record button, the um, the where it just records your text and then writes it out. And that's what I did. I would just walk around my backyard. I'm not joking. Between eight and ten o'clock at night, literally drinking a glass of wine, walking around, holding my phone and just dictating like I would. And I got so good, I could really say to myself comma, should I be doing this period? And then, I mean, I could just go through the whole thing and dictate it out really quick. And then I sent it to a, a lady at the University of uh, Iowa who was in a senior year and she was a journalism degree. And because at the time I was bootstrapped, I didn't have any money. And so mm -hmm. I just decided I want to do this. And this is, and that's basically how I got it written was by doing that. And I've started my second book and it's something that I've started again is just dictating it in there because basically I mean, I can't write the book. I, it's just everything's in my head, right? If I can just get it out, let other people do what they're really good at. That's the way that yeah, I was think, able to get it out. Yeah. And I think you're hitting on something really important here, which is you have a goal that you want to go after. It's you know a book goal, a sales goal, a personal mm -hmm. goal, whatever it is, and figuring out the strategies. And there's a little experimentation there, right? So sp yep. figuring out the strategies that are going to work for you to, to push it over the finish line. Mm -hmm. for, for myself, I knew that I would fail as a self-published author because I would never, I needed the extra accountability to yep. push it over the finish line. So I had a, a local publisher that I worked with. They coached me through the book writing process. They took it all the way through the editorial wow. and into the finished versions of the book. And that partnership, again, kind of thinking about your own businesses, that partnership and having that extra support and accountability is what helped me to reach that goal because I wasn't going to do it on my own. So the, the modern seller, that mm -hmm. is the name of your book. What is the crux yep. of this? Give us a summary. What is it about? Yeah. So, so the crux of the book is that we are all operating in a new sales economy. Our prospects, our clients, our, ourselves and our own businesses. And what that is, that new sales economy is kind of the, this swirl of business dynamics, technology trends, cultural change. And that is driving different, more sophisticated expectations of our prospects and clients. And so that, that's, that's the premise of what we're dealing with. And I would say that's regardless of any industry that, that we're in, but that there are some real specific skills and I, I like to think of them as the skills behind the skills that if we build in ourselves and if you're a leader, you build in your, your sales team and even across your organization, these five skills or dimensions, I like to call them, will help you to be more successful 
in the long run. And so there are five that I dig into and I, I explain uh, why in research-based, I did a lot of interviews on this. Why are, why does it matter? How do you know it when you see it? And how do you actually build it in yourself and in your teams? Mm. So it's a very mm. practical like field guide almost. I want, I, if I, if I see someone with a copy of my book, especially if it's a physical copy and it's all dog-eared and there's lots of uh, highlighting and notes in it, then I know that, that I wrote the right book. That's right. That's like, uh, you say, you know, a man's close to Jesus when his Bible's worn out. Yep. Ah! So sorry, just, just <laughs> the way, just the way my brain thinks sometimes, Amy, but that's right. Uh, so, so about the modern seller, I really like this. You're talking about these five things and I, and, and, and yeah. as a business owner and as someone who has to train his people, you're really speaking to my language here. And, and, and it all starts with leadership. But one of the things I want to go back to real quick and have you expound on is, yeah. I had somebody explain this to me or say this to me, and I really thought it was actually Seth Zaremba, for all you loyal listeners, you know who it is. He was telling me, I was asking him about his history, Amy, and he was telling me about how he came from a welder. He was a welder, um, fabricator, and he started this agency and blah, 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 boom, boom, boom. He's very highly successful. And he said, Jason, what changed my life was, is I was a terrible salesperson, but I went to a school and I found out that sales is actually a skill that can be learned. He said, up until until that point in time in my life, Jason, he said, I didn't realize, I just thought a salesperson was a born person. I didn't realize it was a skill. And you just alluded to that. When you want to expound on that, on these skills that are, that can be learned. Seth is speaking my language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really- <laughs> He gets it. Uh-huh. He gets it. Yes. 100% sales. Sales is a set of skills to be learned, to be applied, to fall down and get back up and and, and into master. Sure. There, there are people out in the world that have uh, maybe a natural tendency to be successful in sales, but I would argue that sales is a set of skills to be learned. And if you decide that you want to learn them and you want to be great at sales and be great at being a trusted advisor and problem solver for your prospects and clients, and you want to do it, you absolutely can. Mm, you're right. You're right. And that, and that's, that's, and to loyal listeners, to all you out there who think that you're not a good salesperson, that's hope. That's what that is for you. That's hope to realize that this is, you've got, you've got sales traders. You've heard other people say this. And now you hear Amy saying this and you've heard Seth saying it. She said, he's right on. He's successful. Learn from those people. It is a skill. It is a skill that you can learn. Amy, now, one of the things that I talk about a lot and I think is important, I think it's very, very underutilized. Jeb Blunt has a great book, Fanatical Prospecting. I, oh, yeah. I, I have th- it in my office right now, actually. Phenomenal book. Phenomenal. Um, and, and, and the thing I like about it, Amy, is one thing that, that Jeb really brought home and something that I've looked back on my 18-year career and saw is that sales is great. And you have to have sales skills. There's no doubt. I mean, you're, you're wasting your time if you don't. But people say that nothing happens until the sale starts. And I like to say that nothing happens until you find somebody to sell something to. So if it, if it has to do with prospecting, because I could be the greatest salesperson in the world, but if I don't know how to prospect and get in front of people, then I'm not able to, sh- to display my skills. What do you right. say about prospecting and how it goes hand in hand with sales? 
Prospecting is probably one of the things we all dislike the most with the exception of maybe Jeb and like 1% of <laughs> other salespeople out there. And I love I love his work, by the way. Thank like you. I said, I, I have his fanatical prospecting book and he has some great stuff. Um, but for, for most of us mere mortals, prospecting <laughs> is something that, that we that we don't love to do. And uh, but it is so vital to our businesses, mm-hmm. uh, whether you are someone who is running an independent agency, whether you are an agent with a book of business, you're an executive, your team is is say, is selling, you have to be constantly building and nurturing the pipeline so that as you're looking forward into your business, you can have that continual stream of opportunities that you need to qualify. Some may qualify out, right? But you you have to, that's a vital part of the business. And it's something that I've had to learn to build discipline around. It's really easy when things are going great and you have a lot of opportunities going on and, and your book of business is growing to say, you know what? I don't need to prospect, but we all need to prospect. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. Yes, we actually do. And for um, there's one of the things that he calls, I believe, the rule of replacement or the law of replacement Jeb Bush talks about. And it's really mind blowing because it's a concept that I had never thought about before. And it really makes sense mathematically. And in he says that, for instance, if you have 30 people and these are 30 people that are qualified, targeted leads on a list and you have to keep the numbers simple you have a 10% closing ratio okay you're going to close mm-hmm. 10% of these people he said if you call the first one and they buy remember you had a list of 30 and you call one and they buy the first one how many prospects do you have left and what's it, what's cool is is everybody says 29 and he says you have 20 
He says, because you can call probably the next 10 and not get a call. The fact that you are get a, a close, the fact that mm-hmm. you called the first one, if you have a proven method and you've trained and you know your numbers, that's where he talks about a lot, knowing your numbers and you know for doing it 10% is your closing ratio, which is low. We're using that for an example here. You know that you're only going to sell three of those. So if you call the first one, a lot of people will say, well, man, I'm having a great day. I got 29 left. He says, no, you have 20 and you need to go find 10 immediately to fill that back up. When you start thinking that way, it starts making you look at prospecting a little bit differently to say, wow, that's why I am running out of prospects. So just, just something. I want to I I turn this, Amy, so I didn't want to go there. I want to ask you a question. What are some of the things you see, getting practical, that you see agents or you see salespeople, let's say, making the most mistakes out there? What do you see that just because their lack of training or they just don't know what they don't know, right? What are some things you see out there that are little fixes that could help them immediately? Yeah, I, I, a couple of things that that come to mind is, and, and one one is a big picture type of conversation, okay. and this comes back to one of the the tenets of modern selling is that a, a modern seller is entrepreneurial, and I think a lot of people uh, in your in your audience would relate to that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I see that needs to continually be worked on is looking at your book of business as a business. And when you do that, you make decisions differently. So think about your books of business. Are you looking at the top line? Are you looking at the bottom line? Are you looking at your best opportunities? Are you looking at your greatest risks Mm, to the business? This all plays into selling because you will make different, more informed, more uh, leadership-oriented decisions about your book of business when you are making sure to take your time, take the time to know what's happening in your business in mm-hmm. the big picture. So I would say big picture thinking and thinking about the vision for your business is, is one of them. I like that. Yeah. One other thing that I, I see, and this is something I, what, what do they say? You, you most teach the things that you That's need to true. learn. That's true. Um, That's very true. <laughs> one, one, one of the things that, that I've personally had to work on is Thinking about how we're investing in our days. Are we, if we look at any given day of the week or any given week of the month, then this is from a sales perspective, can you look at your week or your month and say, I've really invested in high quality sales activities because those are your leading indicators that are going to help drive to your results. So how we invest our time on a daily basis and the quality of our sales activities is something that is always worth looking at, whether it you are day one or day 10. I tell my, my team, there's only two tasks we do in this office, money-making tasks and non-money-making tasks. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And what we have to do is we understand that non-money-making tasks are going to get us. But if we can set aside two hours a day and not can we, we do, two hours of time to what we call green time. That's the time that we're going to use to make money making things that we could that we can do. And a lot of times, a lot of times that usually falls upon my producers and or the other owners because we're really the ones in there. A lot of times our account managers and our CSRs, they are being proactive, but they're also inundated with with reactive sales service work that they have to do. So I agree with you emphatically there as a leader, a leader. What do you see leaders doing that are that around producers that are highly successful and not around producers, around salespeople? Sorry, I use the insurance terminology all the time. What do you 
What do you find? No, like, fine. There's leaders out there that are really good and there's leaders out there that are really bad at training and helping their salespeople. What are some of those traits that, that it may be somebody out there can kind of connect with and say, wow, maybe I am doing the right thing? Yeah. So, so if you're in a leadership role or you, if maybe you aspire to be in a leadership role someday, when it comes to sales skills, producing skills with your team, your number one role is to coach them to be successful. And that may be spending one-on-one time with them, talking about their different opportunities, what's working well, where might they be stuck, because they want to be spending time with you as their leader. So thinking about yourself in the role of coach, and in addition to, yes, we are looking at the pipeline, we're, we're managing to the numbers, we're looking at sales opportunities, close rates, all that. That stuff doesn't go away, but we tend to focus on those things because they're what's tangible and right in front of us. If instead, excuse me, if instead we can flip our mindset a bit to think about ourselves as a coach and our job is to help them to be successful, that's one thing as a leader that I would would emphasize. Wow, I thought that was interesting what you said. You said something back at the beginning. You said that as their leader, your salespeople want to spend time with you. Yeah, they do. They do. Now that sounds so weird. I know you loyal listeners out there hearing her. I hope you caught that because I think that's the one thing we probably do the worst. It's here's a phone book. Here's some leads. Here's a couple ideas. Now go over there and pick up the phone and start doing it. And if you need me, get with me before 12 because I got to go golfing. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, right. it's that kind of thing. And it's... um. Yeah, that's that. I really, really like that. And and see, the reason I asked that question, Amy, is because you just validated something on my own. Because sometimes I wonder if I spend too much time with them, if sometimes I need to quit talking, quit showing, quit instructing and let them go. Right. And I know I do. But sometimes I actually I actually think that to myself. So, yeah, you know, I think there's a balance there because we also want to have people on our teams and especially people that have a high figure it out factor. They're very internally driven, internally motivated. They want to figure things out. There are certainly those times where it's you, you do you do have to figure it out. You do have to try it, and some things will go right, some things will go wrong. So there, there's probably a balance there between that time and coaching, and it's not turning into where someone's feeling micromanaged. They can figure it out. You know, you're right. And uh, to get your thought on this, this is good. I'm glad I'm thinking about this right now to get your expert opinion here. One of the things I was thinking about is how we have these different roles. I just hired this inside sales guy. His name's Joe. He's mm-hmm. He's been with us for two weeks. He's absolutely fabulous. 23 years old, totally green. So we get to train him as he goes. He's going to be great. And one of the things I was telling Uh, my business partner, as I said, it's like we're looking for a problem solver, right? We need that inside salesperson because somebody is calling us to give us their quote, hey, we need an auto or a home quote or a business quote. And there's usually a reason. The price is too much. They had a bad claim, bad service, whatever it could possibly be. But they have a problem and they're needing it solved. But as I hired Joe and as I started to work with him and then in conjunction with him working with the rest of the team, I started to realize something. I started to realize that actually my account managers are my problem solvers. My producers, my agents are the people who go find the problems to solve. Mm -hmm. The account managers are the ones who solve the problem. 
And it really made me step back for a minute as a leader and look at my philosophy of the person I'm looking for. Because but what's I, because that's what I hired Joe to do was to be a problem solver. But you just said it. What did you say? The figuring out um, effect? What did you yeah, call that? It, his, uh, his figure it out factor. Yes, I love that. Figure yep. it out factor. So that could be a foff. Figure it out factor. Sorry, it's just, <laughs> hey, I'm telling you what, we you have to. Some... We need more, some more acronyms in our Th- That's industry, right. right? <laughs> well, I didn't really know, Joe, but I want to let you know you have some great fault. You know, no, no, that just wouldn't come off right. See, it doesn't sound slick. Thanks, but, anyways. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> So anyways, no, I, um, no, that, that's, that's a good point. I, wow, you just really brought that home to me about that. There is a difference, right? Someone's trying to find the problem to solve. The other people need to solve it. I think sometimes in sales organizations, this is very true to insurance is that we try to have the problems. The person who found the problem also solve it. And I think we're dealing with different personality types, but also I believe that we're not utilizing our team in an effective manner. Well, you're also bumping. Yeah. You're also, you're bumping up against something that, that I see quite a bit, and that is the the delineation of roles and responsibilities. And mm. sure, in, in the real world, things do do kind of blend together a bit. But you have you have Joe, and then you have your account manager, and the real understanding and expectation setting that if if Joe's being given a quota. And his job is to uncover, do opportunity identification and bring new business in the door. And then all of a sudden that becomes 50% of his time is doing things that the account manager should be doing just, and for any number of reasons, the, the client feels more comfortable calling Joe or whatever that might look like. It then is the leader, it's understanding, all right, is this person's time being invested as it should be to meet the goals of the business? And also, how do people work well together behind the scenes? In this in client service, does your salesperson and your account manager work really well together mm-hmm. to provide that that great experience for the client? This ties back to our earlier conversation about prospecting. Our clients are also our prospects. And when we serve them well and we have the opportunity to build loyalty with them, then we can cross-sell, cross-service, grow the book of business with our existing clients in addition to bringing new business yep. in the door. Get off on a little bit That's of a tangent okay. there. But but to, but coming back to your original question, delineation of roles is very important. And the way that work, people work together behind the scenes, which I know sounds kind of elementary, but how they work well together will help make sure that Joe's doing what he needs to be doing and Sue is doing what she needs to be doing as an account manager. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's Yeah, it works together. I um, It's just really weird. After leading my organization for nine years, it was just coming to my realization. And you know what's amazing, Amy, is a lot of my realizations on my agency have come in the last two to three years of my life. And I think it's not only because of a longer of me longer being a business owner. I think a lot of loyal listeners could could relate to this. But after a while, you just you're me. I'm constantly trying to get better, right? And and when you have to get better, you have to adjust your poly, your your processes and your procedures and your workflows. And you're constantly trying to do that. But the most important thing is you're having to think about these things. I think a lot of times as owners and leaders, we just don't think. We don't think enough about what we should be doing and how we can be getting better. I think we just kind of get stuck in, hey, I work 20 hours a week. I make $200,000 a year and I get to do whatever I want. 
And I don't, I think that may be good for you as a business owner or for you as a leader, but that's not necessarily a winning um, thing for the team. And this team can see that. I, I really do believe that they can see that. 100%. So um, closing it up here, but I want to ask you a couple other questions. I hear a lot of times where producers can get upset about the fact that they're rocking it, they're killing it, they're hitting their goals, but there seems to be other agent or other agents or producers who are not carrying their own weight. Oh I, yeah. I think I see this so much. And Brent Kelly from another prior podcast, uh, sales expert said that he's, he sees a lot of times where unprofitable producer, or, I'm sorry, profitable producers substitute um, or not substitute subsidize. There it is. The unprofitable ones. Do you see this a lot? Yes. And this is a challenge regardless of industry. So I, I work in a number of industries and anyone who is carrying a quota or carrying a book of business, I do see this in teams. And this as a leader, if you're, thinking of, if you're thinking about where you're spending your time with your teams, chances are you're not spending a lot of time with your real rock star, hugely profitable producers because they're out there running on their own and they're, they're killing it. You're probably spending a lot of your time with your bottom of the barrel C players who are not producing for you. And there might be a lot of reasons why they're not producing. Maybe they're brand new. They're still learning the business, but they have a lot of potential, or maybe they're just, they're in the wrong place and figuring out if they are an employee that you want to continue to have in your organization, and maybe they need to shift into a different role to be successful, because there's nobody that gets up and says, you know, gosh, I really want to have a lousy book of business today. Um, <laughs> I really want to be unprofitable and not deliver. Hope not. <laughs> right, right. And if they do, then you got a whole different set of problems. But, um, <laughs> but yes. And so if you are the rock star producer or you're leading that team of rock star producers, it is something to be aware of. When I was an individual contributor and I carried a quota, I was very focused on my needing to meet my goals. I don't really, I don't remember getting myself really wound around the axle on the low performers mm -hmm. because I was very focused on my own goals. So if you are a rock star performer and maybe some of this is happening in your organization, your agency, sometimes as hard as this is, it is a, it's a little bit of a, a, a mindset hack, if you will, to be focused on the things that you can control mm -hmm. um, and your, your production goals and making sure that you're hitting and exceeding your numbers. But as a leader, it's very important to pay attention to those dynamics because you could risk losing your rock yep. stars or your or your real steady performers. That's exactly right. And besides the fact you're subsidizing them, you're actually not as making as much money as you think you are. And and exactly sometimes right. those are the ones just like our current uh, like our book of business. Sometimes those producers who are the unprofitable ones sometimes are the biggest problems. Right. You know, they yep. take them, they, they can drag you they down really, really, truly can. And then everybody else on the team sees it. And now it starts mutiny all off the fact that you let that you subsidize that producer. I think that the reason I wanted to bring that up, Amy, is I think that every agency or every business owner knows this that's involved in sales. It's just, I think they think that, that it's maybe only their agency or this is something that doesn't, no one really kind of knows about, but we all know about it because we all have agencies and we all have those, sub, those producers that we're trying to subsidize or that and we shouldn't be. And, and it's kind of like, Amy, I say, I call it job owners and job renters for my staff, not my producers or my salespeople. But I talk about 
the fact that we're always looking for job owners and not job renters, basically based on the concept of how people rent a house versus how people own a house. They, they have more respect yes. with it. Okay. And that's the kind of the same thing with our producers. We need to have, we need to have producers who are owners of their book or producers who are just renting the agency at a time. And we don't need renters. We need people who are owners because owners hang out with owners and renters hang out with renters. It's just kind of the way that my brain sometimes sees it. I tell Amy, I tell the world, I'm really not really smart. I just have everybody fooled. I just have to think in these elementary ways and then just put them out there. That's that's me. So anyways. Who is it? Uh, is it Richard? I think it's Richard Branson that said one of, one of the hallmarks of someone who is a leader or a really successful business person is being able to take something that's really complicated and simplify that's it. Exactly. Any one of us could make something way more complicated, but those of us that are really successful if we can simplify, then we're, we're on the right track. Yes, you are. You are exactly right. And I've heard him say that before. And that is, he, he's, he's exactly right. So Amy, last thing about your book, anything, I mean, is there anything in there that you really thought that maybe we didn't touch on that something that maybe is your research showed or something that you've never really heard talked about before? Is there anything that, wrapping it up that you want to talk about with your book and how people can find it? Yeah. So, so just in, in a real brief summary, I'll, I'll give our listeners the five and then I will leave, leave them with, with a strategy or two to think about putting into their, their businesses. So a, a modern seller is someone who is agile, uh, entrepreneurial, which we touched on a little bit earlier. They are holistic. They are social and they're also ambassadors. And so uh, in the interest of time, I will, will give a couple of strategies for them to, to think about in addition to hopefully picking up the book and, and reading it on your own. But uh, one, one strategy comes back to something that you said earlier, which was thinking about your processes and how so much of what we do is around process. Sales, developing new business is no different. We put a lot of process and rigor into things like underwriting policies, filing claims, taking a client through a claims process, being successful in sales, applying process and discipline to that piece of your business, that profession is going to help you be more successful. And the holistic section of the book gives some strategies for um, really thinking about your sales process like you would a supply chain and all of the different, uh, different partners, internal and external that you can be thinking about in order to help you be successful. Um, so that that's one one piece that I would would point out just based on our earlier conversation. And the second, yeah, the second piece comes back to this prospecting and to think about our clients like prospects. And that's the ambassador section. The more loyalty that we can drive with our clients, that is going to create ultimately a more profitable book for you, a more just a more valuable and rewarding book for you because you're working with the very best clients. They are buying multiple products and services from you and they are not driving you on mm -hmm. price. They see, recognize your value. Yes. Amen. So, yep. You got it. So the ambassador section of the book is one that I would point them to for that. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I like it. Amy, I'm glad that we had you on. I think we gave a lot of meat and some juice. It was succulent, meaty. And uh, I really, uh, maybe we'll get back together sometime. Where can they find out more about your book? 
Yeah. So uh, you can go to uh, amyfranco.com. There, you can learn all about me there. And then the book is available out on Amazon. Super. I'm excited for you. And uh, I, I assume sales have been good so far. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. It's been, it's, you know, it's, it's been great. And just like anything, there's always opportunity to improve and uh, it's a, it's a continual marketing and sales process. That's for sure. Super. Thank you for coming on, Amy. Really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All you loyal listeners, you know, the you know, the drill, right? Tell me your thoughts, tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, Conversations with Jason Cass. Today, we had a conversation with Amy Franco. I'm out.